now for the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world on HBO pay-per-view. Ladies and gentlemen, from Mandalay Bay, Las Vegas, uh, let's get ready to rumble!
to the jaw and you won't pop that junk no more. Explain it to your punk friends, you're laying on the floor. Did you want some more? I didn't think so. Just got whipped like the sissy in the clink so. I suggest you take your bloody messy final piece of wire. Fix your broken jaw, then it's time to retire. Lord Jamal will live long. Cause I give strong blows to the heads of my foes. Dread flows, give me power as it grows. Watch out, rock glider, you catch the speed, not he not. And hell will be your home, Lord Jamal Sadat. As you swell, you're gone. Roll the carpet out, 
your majesty's here. I'm Valor, y'all cashmere. The champ's back and you can't cheer. Besides Christ and spirit that this man fears. And find the best, I'm damn near. Tell me how you plan to hang with a chandelier. Your whole camp queer. Gang of Pam Grizz. To all hustlers, I'm front of work. Never wanted to wear cleats, just wanted to run the turf. Beat twice, I be burying niggas. He's nice, but don't prepare him to jigger. Let's keep one thing. Crystal clear, I'm a magician, dear. Cause I made all of my peers disappear. Y'all ain't rappers, y'all actors. Richard Gear. And the fact is, you catches switch careers. Two things real, my niggas, my bitch here. I'm on my tenth tape. Six years. Um, maybe a little longer, and maybe it's a monster. Patient every day, I was getting stronger. Way up, I had to get my weight up and be an entre. But newer, straight up. Was told, follow the light, you'll shine. Right, just give it time, I'll write. In mind, that is the grind. Watch, homie, some can't endure the climb, so the top's lonely. Still, it feels like I'm barely getting started. Possessed by the daily departed. Rap martyrs, middle name Mustafa. Some think I'm a prophet. Most say I'm a problem, impossible to fix. Commit a massacre like Al Capone with a flow in the style unknown. A golden child is grown in the zone on the cloud of my own. This time around, with my crown, my robe. I flew thousands and thousands of miles from home. So, child of my pals are. Uh, I hug the lane, I'm an Aston, bang like a maverick With the aim of a trained assassin And so it remains, you blames as if Past tense and named a has-been Fuck what you heard, here's what y'all forgot Gotta stop pretending you are what you're not When this product hit the block, every jaw from the drop Bitches hopping out their drawers and their tops Like they clothes on fire, just to roll with the sire A level much higher, bout to soak the sky up Ha! He's just rude, mafioso, I'm giving niggas cement shoes, uh, let them sleep with the piranhas, I'm leaving rappers dressing in peace in their pajamas, stop snoozing, I'm comfy in my spot and I'm not moving, you'd have to send a shot to him, God forbid that ever happened, ready for whatever action, cakes I gotta spin your melon backwards, the technique is elephant rap, type of shit, leave a skeleton crack, like I hit you with the heaviest axe, I'm just leaving footsteps on the track, now I'm embedded as a legend, in fact, I'm a double barrel I'm Sugar Ray Robinson, powerful pound the best. And you overprotected, never been in no real test. Mike Tyson, eat your kids for lunch. I'm like really Pep, I could win around without throwing a punch. Lennox Lewis had a glass jaw. If my grandmother hit him on the chin, he probably hit the floor. The road of Duran, all-time greatest lightweight. Prince Nassim was whack, all the hype was fake. Leon Spinks was the ultimate slacker. Sugar Ray Leonard was great, but he should have lost to Hagler. The seven D's had the best heavyweights. Molly Fraser to George Foreman, there was so many greats. Bob Foster hit way too hard. He would have put Antonio Tarver and Roy Jones in the graveyard. Some of y'all might disagree, but Larry Holmes might have been the best, even better than Ali. Greatest Puerto Rican fighter, Carlos Ortiz. Runner up with Fredo Gomez in the early 80s. Worst Puerto Rican fighter is John Ruiz. Winky Wright beat Shane Mosley two times with ease. Burnett Whitaker was robbed so many different occasions. Mike McCallum represented hard for the Jamaican. 
Jamaicans. Costas soon made dab through the funky chicken. Years later, Ricky Hatton had Costas who quit, and I ran Barkley rep the BX. Christy Martin was the first popular fighter, the opposite sex. A lot of punch Riddick Cole repeatedly in the dick. Then when he fought Mike Tyson, he bitched out and quit. James Tony was a skill technician. Jack Johnson beat white boys and fucked their women. Floyd Patterson got knocked out by Sonny Liston. Only a yellow always seemed to get the kick decision. A Toro Caddy take the best ass whipping. Jim Lampy and the rest of the HBO cheerleaders do the most ass kissing. They jerk Bernard Hopkins ruined his 10 year reign. They stole his belts from him, gave him to Jermaine. Vasily Giroff nearly murdered Joe Macy. Joe Calzaghe annihilated Jeff Lacey. John Mugabe nickname was the Beast. Corrales Castillo, the first fight was a masterpiece. Julian Jackson crushed Terry Norris. New York and knocked out Forrest. Hearns Hagler taught us where the war is. Trying to find the next heavyweight great. They thought it was Isaiah Bucci, but he went to jail for rape. Bob Abrams a weasel and Don King's evil. Floyd Mayweather's good, but he need to fight better people. We watched Oscar De La Hoya get rich. He nearly outpointed Felix Trinidad, but then he ran like a bitch. Barrera Morales, Julio Cesar Chavez. Mexican fighters was fucking up mad heads. And we never got to see the best of Salvador Sanchez. Ricardo Lopez retired undefeated. Larry Holmes beat Michael Spinks, but he got cheated. Manny Pacquiao speed is heated. Believe it, you eat it. Oliver McCall smoked crack and had a nervous breakdown. Riddick Bowe knocked out Holyfield in the eighth round. Jake LaMotta had the best chin. When Mike Tyson beat Spinks, that was his best win. They stopped 15 round fights after Duck Who Kim. The biggest disappointment was probably gold medalist Mark Brill and Emil Griffith was accused of hanging out with queers. Tony Ayala went to jail for 16 years. Michael Grant swore pitifully. Vito Antifermo was a champ from Italy. Chris Bird beat Vitaly. Fernando Vargas' best win was Ike Corte, who fought the best competition. Juan Laporte. Levander Johnson killed in the ring. R.I.P. Tommy Morrison was diagnosed with HIV. First round, Ernie Shavers finished Kenny Norton. Michael Dokes and Tony Tucker was both Coke Snorton. Coke Snorton. Coke Snorton. Coke Snorton. Hey, Rafa, you know what I love about this episode? What's that? We're not going to do a lot of work. <laughs> that makes it easier on both of us. We're not going to do too much. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is 6 in the morning. As I already uh, introduced, well, who's, who's here? What up, everybody? You stuck with me once again. <laughs> this is Rafa right here, and uh, this is Luis. But, man, we got some illustrious how about that that's like a mike tyson word <laughs> illustrious we got some uh, special guests man you guys want to introduce yourselves yeah sure uh what's up everybody my name is rudy mondragon and uh i'm a fan i'm a student of the sweet science and uh or the bittersweet science as some will call it i heard you have some boxing intellect <laughs> yeah that's what i go by that's uh <laughs> that's the instagram uh moniker and that's the the twitter hash uh Hashtag everything, you know, so boxing intellect, I try to spread that. So it's at boxing intellect? At boxing intellect on Instagram and Twitter as well. Yeah, we would have asked you anyway to announce that. Good luck. Who, who's here? Who's here? Who's here? How's it going, everybody? My name is Daniel Gonzalez. Just a lifelong fan of boxing. Watch it as much as I can, attend as much as I can, and just try to learn as much as I can. And he's being modest because he's been sharing for the last few hours all kinds of uh, interesting tidbits about boxing that are both real serious and really, really comedy. So we appreciate that so far. But yeah, this episode is going to be real particular to what uh, was been uh, the name of it is the sweet sounding science. Yes, sir. How about that? Uh, so we're definitely going to get into this. But let me ask you all a question. So right off the bat, like who do you think is pound for pound? Who's, who do you, in your mind is pound for pound best boxer? All, of all time or of, current? Of all time. 
Oh, that's a tough question. I go from, I'm asking from the top. I, I'll go last. <laughs> I'll go second. <laughs> the champion enters second. <laughs> there you go, Daniel. I'll answer. I don't care. I mean, I just, I think that's a difficult question to answer because you're asking overall. I can give you an answer as to who I feel is right now. And the reason why I say it's difficult as well is because we've all, I don't think anybody's really watched from the beginning of time until now. So it just depends on what you really know. I mean, I'll throw out my age. I'm 33, and I've been watching boxing, I would say, since probably like 91, 92, but not as much as I've been since like the year 2000. So, I mean, it just depends on the time frame I, I so, believe so, so it's all relative that's a bitch ass way to yeah, get no, out of the no, 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 no it's not I think that's his answer no <laughs> I mean I don't think so it's but, not that complicated I'm just kidding but is, it, is there a name based okay from from your reference point from your experience from 90 whatever the fuck what is it probably as much as I don't want to say this name it's probably going to be Floyd Mayweather oh there you go I, the reason why I say that is because um, as a boxing fan and I enjoy also MMA stuff like that I'm into exciting fights I don't think he ever had one exciting fight unless he was in there with someone that was actually trying to pressure him so but you know he retired undefeated and you know it's kind of undeniable to not talk about his skills and stuff what's your favorite Mayweather fight that's probably like asking, do I like seeing paint dry? You know, there's, there's, there's really no favorite Mayweather fight, you know. What's your favorite paint color to watch dry? Well, I guess blue. But, um, so uh, I guess if I had to choose one, I'd, I'd say the most interesting Mayweather fight was probably when he fought Kota. Because that probably had the most action to it. Yeah. And that's whatever your definition of action on a Mayweather fight would be. So. Right, right. What about you, Rudy? Well, I think the pound for pound like idea is so subjective that you, if you define it however you want to define it, that you can really set the standard or set the category in terms of what you regard as the best pound for pound. So I think when, when I think about like misfits and like rebel fighters, I think that's what really influences me. I mean, they got to be great, they got to be dope in the ring, but what also influences me about about pound-for-pound pound greatness is what they did in and out of the ring. And so when you think about pound-for-pound pound greatness, for me, I think I go back to, like, Jack Johnson when he right. became champion in 1908, the first black heavyweight champion of the world, and, you know, breaking the color line at that time and, um, and and being the biggest trash talker. I think that's what made him so great because at that time, if you if you called out a white cracker and, and called them all these kinds of things, that was a time when people were getting lynched, black people were getting lynched left and right. For him to go in the ring and be like, come on, come on, hit me, hit me, you know, and, and talk shit in the ring. Uh, to me, that makes him great. And, and Ali, of course, is definitely in the pound-for-pound pound top four of all time for me. So Jack Johnson, I would say, definitely from the early 20th century. That's awesome. What about you, Rafa? <clears throat> Damn, that's a tough question. Um, you know, for me personally, it, it has to be Julio Cesar Chavez only because of what he brought to me as a culture and a relationship with my father. So all around, it, it brought that, that element all into what started growing my interest in boxing. So it, that's my pound for pound. I always say that Chavez saved my life because one time I saw the Chavez versus Mildred Taylor fight and I was with my dad and we were celebrating so hard 
we we like literally left the pizza joint and inside the pizza joint there was tra 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 oh shit <laughs> i'm serious someone got shot and we were gone <laughs> wow <laughs> this really happened so hey, thank you to sir chavez for saving my life and, and, and fuck you for letting your son fight but i love you though <laughs> <laughs> Hey, peace out to Azteca Jim, right? Yeah, shout out to Azteca. Yeah, that's what's up. Um, I was going to say something in regards to Chavez because, like Ralph said, I have the close family connection. Uh, this may sound funny, but I remember some of the first pay-per-view fights I saw were actually for free because I would attend at my uncle's house and he had the black box. That's and, right. You know, and that's how we would watch the fights. So it was my uncles, my grandpa, my dad was there, and, you know, other family members, but... Um, Greg Hagen fight, the Camacho fight, yeah. uh, the Whitaker fight, which Chavez did lose, but you know we'll get to that after. Even though he was <laughs> given the victory, or was it a draw? I think draw. Oh, okay, draw. Well, but I mean, yeah. So there's the close family connection based on the Latino Mexican culture, however you want to put it. And so I kind of see. Well, I kind of do see your point of view as in regards to Chavez. And you take it back with the black box. Yeah. <laughs> I was, and I mean, that's that's my story right there, too. I mean, Chavez Camacho, 1992, uh, September, was my first fight. And that was when my father took me to my Uncle Felipe's house for the simple fact that he was the only member in our family to own a black box. And so that, that, that dope thread that we all kind of share here, I mean, we're all very similar age, but 1992, early 90s, is definitely when I was brought into the boxing game. And it was a rite of passage. I mean, the two... Latino sports figures that I was like, you know, they, they look like me, uh, I'm like them, was was Chavez in the boxing ring and Fernando, Var uh, Fernando Valenzuela. Valenzuela. Yeah. That's right, that's right. Yeah. What about you, have similar with the story? That no, that's a, it's yeah. the same thing, you yeah. know, it's, it's, a, it's a story about access, right? right. And, and not having that access, but one family member or somebody you knew yeah. had, had access to that, and for that reason it, it created, you know, uh, you can, a space to congregate and, and, and that. As the elder in the room, <laughs> I remember those CBS free boxing matches. I still remember when Macho Camacho, no, was it? no it wasn't him. It was, uh, what's his name? Boom Boom Mancini. They unfortunately uh, killed the Kim. Korean. Yeah, mm -hmm. that guy. But I still remember Salvador Sanchez. Yeah. And, that, and it was a reference to the RA mm -hmm. song. But, but I remember seeing his afro and I said, wow, these Latinos with afros. And he had, came in and he, and he fought Azuma Nelson. And just that just dynamic of a black guy fighting a Latino guy, I, you know, so young. I didn't ever have seen that before. Yeah. And so my dad was a big fan of Salvador Sanchez. And so for me, it's like well, being so small, just having that reference for me was like, wow, these guys are great. And then, you know, at the same time being introduced to like wrestling. So I was like, man, these guys kind of look like wrestlers, but they got gloves on. What's up with these guys? <laughs> so yeah, that was really interesting. And then back to the question about the pound for pound, pound for pound, sorry. I think, again, times are different. Like nowadays, fighters are fighting twice a year. Some are even only fighting once a year. You know, probably 15, 20 years ago, most guys were fighting at least four times a year. And then, you know, referring to Jack Johnson, we only know how many times he was fighting, you okay. know, a year back then. I think in 1905, so, he had like 10 to 12 fights. Wow. And so, three times against Joe Jennett. Yeah. So it just has to do with the times again, you know, at least in my opinion. Absolutely.
Well, all of our opinions are valid here. <laughs> so, for so, the some more than others. <laughs> some more than others. Probably mine's last. I'm pretty sure. I'm well, the you, least. I'm the least <laughs> one that knows about boxing. You get paid the most. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, for the listener, this is going to be a little bit different. It's going to be much more dialogue because there's just so much interest <clears throat> within uh, everything that's going on in this room right now. Talking about boxing, there's a lot of knowledge going on, but we still got the hip hop. And in this section, we definitely play some bangers, right? We we ended it with R.A. the Rugged Man. What do y'all think about that song? Well, for me, I mean, when I first heard that song, I was like, this is this this could be a lecture, and you can expand on it. I mean, it's it's such a encyclopedic um, rap song that's full of like knowledge and, and information. And so, if you want to learn about boxing, just peep that song because there's so much information, so much history there, and it's very clear, concise, but it's such a long song that, that I mean, you just listen to it, and it's so educational. Motherfucker says hours, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> you know what, peep out the rap genius notes if you want to learn, <laughs> want to learn about boxing. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's very true, very true. And um, this is a, it basically called the boxing freestyle. I don't think it was a freestyle. I'm pretty sure you had to do it. The, the, the RA is a shit for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah Afro. Pista Afro. Yeah. Pista Afro. Uh, so before that, we played some Face Sean, the Pride of Fresno. The song is called Manny Pacquiao. What more could you say? Uh, produced by Phoenix Beast. This is from the Higher Learning 2 soundtrack. Um, I don't know too much about that soundtrack. Do you? I, I think it was just like. I didn't even know there was a Higher Learning 2. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know there was a Higher Learning 1. <laughs> <laughs> this one came out in 2011. Is yeah. Higher Learning the, the, the one with the ice cube? and right. Yeah, that's a yeah. dope movie. That's a dope yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, it's a dope movie. But I, love, I love that line where the professor tells uh, the, 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 the track and field runner, did you come to college uh, for an education or did you come to learn how to live life? What? Deep. Right. I love that movie. It's one of my favorite movies. It is a tight movie. It Message. Movie. Message. Yeah. <laughs> I got a peep if it's on Netflix now. So yeah, this is like right before he started his uh, his run, right? Yeah. The exile, right? So this is uh, after 2000, 2011, but it samples Queen. We all know this. We probably listen to it at least once a week, or if you go to a sporting event. We are the champions. What's interesting? It comes out in nineteen seventy seven because the first song we played samples a song that also came out in nineteen seventy seven, which is the Rocky theme, which is called. You know the name of the song? Yeah, I don't. It's called Gonna Fly Now. Did you know that? Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. shit. <clears throat> Did you know that? Am I, am I the only one that surprised me? Oh, no, <laughs> you and I. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <'cause> I <laughs> that's why we're going to do the least amount of yeah, talking yeah, yeah. in this episode. And that's, that's the greatest part about this episode is the fact that, you know, we got people who are very knowledgeable about boxing and actually know a few things about boxing instead of just sort of just talking about it in a very generic way. So we appreciate both of you being here. But we started off with a classic brand movie and song, Punks Jump Up to Get Beat Down, produced by Damon G. Uh, in God We Trust is the album. Do you all know about that song? Yeah, no. yeah this is a classic. Uh, I'm surprised Rafa, in fact, at the moment is wearing one of those cool shirts with cassettes that have classics, and it could definitely be part of that. But this is Brand Nubian's one of his top work. But um, this is like Brand Nubian when they were like being considered probably the top MC groups at the time back in the early 90s. Yeah, Brand new, getting influenced everything from the sound to the way that we dress. The kids still dress to it right now. You know, everybody's doing that throwback 90s look or whatever. Yeah. The hip-hop throwback 90s look was begun by them. That's, uh, you know, Boston George making a delivery down the, <laughs> down the airport down the street. <laughs> Shout out to Boston George and the homie MF Doom. Peace out, peace out of that. But, uh, man, what was, I was going to say something about uh, 
brand new game, but I just forget. Oh, that he's a second grade teacher now? Oh, yeah, that's what I was gonna. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Nice one. Did you know that? The, one, the lead rapper, the first rapper that comes out of that song is a second grade teacher. Mm-hmm. Brooklyn, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah there you each go. One to each one. Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. Mr. Murphy. Hey, follow him online. <laughs> but we're gonna go from real uh, general th- themes to we're gonna go real particular to who? To Tyson. Mike Tyson. Iron Mike Tyson. This is my. This is our tribute to uh, Mr. Tyson himself. M- m- many ways, he is the, a god. In and outside of the ring, he's <laughs> maybe three out of four uh, <laughs> people on the table might agree, and one might disagree. <laughs> three but, out of four uh, podcast guests. But we definitely wanted to concentrate on Mike Tyson um, because of the sort of social impact that he's had, and uh, we're gonna start it off with some DMX. This one's featuring Nardo. I can feel it. Produced by Dame Grease. This is from his. Uh, it, it, it is dark and hell is hot. <laughs> Sometimes all his album covers are like it was some of the names. Yeah. Yeah, but this is when he was in his hot run. This is the late nineties. That's when he mm-hmm. couldn't do nothing wrong. That's <laughs> he couldn't do nothing mm-hmm. wrong. Now I was like, once he wasn't as hot, then he was getting the problem. <laughs> yep. But uh, this is some DMX, and we're gonna actually hit you off with some back-to-back tracks. Do it. Word. Mike Tyson. This is my favorite part coming up right now. I can feel it coming in the air tonight. Of course, my guy.
I have no friends You still acting up Running around here like some brand new pussy That's about to get fucked The game don't stop I'm still getting down for whatever, whenever That's why my shit is hot Can't keep it real Now, some of us do, but most of us don't That's just how a nigga feel I shed blood For my people that'll keep you looking see-through If ever you try to creep through My defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. I want to eat his children. Praise be to Allah. Scared of the real man. Never death row
Yeah, but why did Mike Tyson have to kill Tupac? <laughs> why did he have to kill him? Why did he have to kill him? I don't know. Why, why did he have to fight? Maybe he was uh, messing around with Biggie's girl too. I don't know. <laughs> well, uh, I'm not going to take credit for, for, for my comments, but I know Rafa had mentioned the importance of Mike Tyson and hip-hop. Yeah, well, I, I just wanted to kind of connect the, the two worlds together, right? Because why does it make sense that we're having a, po- a hip-hop podcast on boxing? I mean, other, than, other than that we love boxing, but there's such a crossover between the populations that watch it, the people that do it. So from the performers to, to the boxers, the, the paths that took them both to whether emceeing because, you know, the life you know that they lived boxing for for the same reason uh, big overlap over the activities that happen between the two and it's always uh, an exciting event that everybody wants to go to anywhere from like the gangsters to the the rappers that you know they want to be front row at a boxing event and then particularly the hip-hop music it transcends eras yes, we went from public enemy <laughs> dmx tupac and it's amazing how he's like chronologically sort of through his um just being mike and sort of his aura, and that's basically sort of what you're, you know, generally speaking, getting at. Like how it transcends the music so deeply into different eras of music and different, even geographic areas. Yeah, and that the whole thing that, you know, Mike Tyson was a monster that everybody was scared of, but they loved to watch him, right? They wanted to see who he's gonna hurt, who he's gonna knock out next. He was black, he was right. threatening, he was everything that, you know, we're taught to be scared of. Yeah. Same thing like hip hop. Who's the biggest audience for hip hop? These little yeah. white kids. Yeah. You know, the other day I was pulling into In and Out in a Sienna van with the windows down, blasting some music. I looked over, I thought it was gonna be some cholos. You thought it was Dave Chappelle or something? Exactly. It was like eight little skinny white kids. <laughs> no, like, that's your audience right there. And it's the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. I was gonna say too, like, I think when I think about hip hop and boxing, it's, it's um, like some hip hop artists will describe hip hop music as gutter music. You know, where it comes from, its social location, its geography, and, and its relation to poverty and struggle. And, and then and then when you look at boxing, that's why I always think that boxing and hip-hop got so many parallels. So I agree with you, what you were saying, because you're not going to be rich, affluent, unless you're Chavez uh, Jr., but you're not going to come from, like, a silver spoon and fight. Like, why would you fight? Yeah. You know, so when, when you think about boxers, boxers are the athletes of the gutter. Yeah. You know, and they're, they're coming from these social locations of like struggle, of poverty, and, and boxing becomes this vehicle to get out of that situation. And what's interesting about what you're saying, it's not just like uh, just one ethnic group or whatnot. It's like worldwide. It could be any shade of color. It could be Russian to uh, any particular Eastern European country or African to American. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Those are the common threads. But, well, I, I wanted to uh, let the Mike Tyson fans speak. I don't know if he has anything to say about this conversation. You know, uh, he's we, quiet. Well, we were talking about whether Tyson is a god or not. Yeah, yeah, right. right, right. And, and, you know, in the, in the boxing world. And, I mean, personally, I feel that he is, mostly because he is and will continue to be what defined pay-per-view and the big purse and, uh, you know, the whole thing congregating together to watch a fight, even though you knew it might be over in 30 seconds, but he still had that draw. You know, his viciousness, you might try to argue that his technique was a little bit just, you know, a pit bull attacking and just overwhelming uh, his his, uh, opponent. But regardless, there was still some technique to to uh, the way that he fought, but you know, some may disagree with that. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong, I enjoyed a Mike Tyson fight just like anybody else. Um, 
I don't think I had the quote unquote honor of ever paying for one of his pay-per-views. But um You were too young. Yeah, that that's pretty accurate. But I, I watched just about all his fights from a you know, certain period, pretty much from when he got out of jail on. Uh, the one thing I was going to say about Mike Tyson in regards to the reason why I kind of don't feel like he's a god, um, I most fighters look up to him. You know, a lot of us, like I said, we all enjoyed his fights, but I kind of compare Mike Tyson to um, being afraid of the dark. And as funny as that may sound, what I mean, what I mean by that is that, you know, when you're a young kid, you're afraid of the dark, and then sooner or later you get over it. You know, you can you you can walk in your home. There could be no lights on at nighttime, but once you already know your way around the home, you're not going to be scared anymore. You know, there was so many fighters that would get in the ring with him, and I think it was just an overall intimidation factor. You know, they, um, the famous commentator, Teddy Atlas and trainer, he always talks about the day of the weigh-in, where there's that, the stare down, and most fighters already lose, you know, once they're out of that stare down because it's intimidation and I feel like most of the times when Tyson lost those guys just weren't afraid of him like they knew what to expect they knew someone was just gonna bum rush him they knew someone was just gonna come throwing them wild shots but they used their skills I mean Buster Douglas Lennox Lewis uh, Evander Holyfield what happened the second time he he knew he was gonna lose and he decided to bite his ear off or you know part of his ear you know, and then all the way down to his last fight, you know, people might say Tyson was old or they're going to make a bunch of excuses for him, but he's still this ruthless savage that he once was before, and then he loses to Kevin McBride? Who's Kevin McBride? You know, so that's what I'm saying. It's like the aura behind him is just like with anybody else that we build up, it's who we make him out to be. And it just depends on how you look at that individual and that person. Don't get me wrong, yeah, he... It, it's an individual type opinion, but in the history of boxing, he may be looked at as a god, but I don't think he's one. Yeah, yeah and then to your point, though, his, his technique-wise, if you look at his technique, you know, he knew how to work the body. He, he knew how to come over the top. But what makes him a god, in my view, in the boxing world, is that persona that he is or was at his height. And the level of attention he brought to the sport because of who he was, what he did and what he didn't do, everything that's surrounding him. The same thing with Money Mayweather. I hate him too. He gets on my last nerve, but god damn, he's a motherfucking boxer. Mm-hmm. And I also think of hip hop like in the sense of when Mike Tyson was Mike Tyson, the capital M and capital T, he's like, he was like one of the fiercest MCs, you know? And so that same respect that one would get from the streets will translates into the ring. And so that's something that I think, you know, I understand exactly what you're saying, but I, I can't help but to think of the young Mike Tyson when he was coming out. That was like the hip hop golden era, yeah. you know, or right before that golden era. And so you can't help but to think, you know, when you translate that sort of skill level to that skill level of thinking of rock and yeah. particularly, because he was, uh, I say that from the perspective of being very religious and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, and, and he was an MC. I mean, remember uh, Cannabis' second round KO? Oh, yeah. I mean, Tyson's in that. <laughs> um, but I think to the to the question of whether he was a god or not, I mean, for me, Mike Tyson represents, like, uh, a carefully molded image. Like, they, they, they created a savage. And Tyson gave the people what 
his promoters and managers wanted him to be to the world is savage. He's like very scary, uh, intimidating dude. And, and, and I, I can't remember who from Showtime said it, but like if Tyson wasn't a well-oiled machine, he was beatable on any given day. And when he fought against Buster, I mean, he was out in Asia partying. He wasn't training and, and bust. I mean, he and even not training, he was able to knock down Buster at one point. Was he with hookers and whatnot? More than likely. I mean, he was partying. He was having a good time out there, and he thought he was invincible. And I think a lot of that was also his people, like telling him, like, you know, you're you're the man. So I, I mean, I mean, Punch Out, you know, put him on, you know, uh, Nintendo, um, hip hop artists, movies. I mean, I think when you think of of a person that's seen as a god, like all that attention, like that, that's driven Mike Tyson to the present day to being like, look, I just want to be a common, ordinary person. Who I was when I was fighting, that's not me no more. Like I'm not the guy that said I was Alexander. I'm not, I'm not the greatest. I'm, like he just wants to be like an everyday person where he can just kind of, in a way, disappear in obscurity so that he doesn't have all that attention around him. Like when I met him at his one man show in Las Vegas. Like you can tell, like he likes to do his one-man show, and like, to an extent, I also think that one-man show that he does in Vegas is a very therapeutic experience for him because it's, it's able to let go of all the things that he went through, that he struggled with, and to this present day, I think he just wants to be not the god or not that big like image that he was like seen as when he was fighting. He just wants to be like just chill and left alone. So you're trying to tell me he really doesn't want to eat your children? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe back then when he was fighting, but to this present day, I think he's, I think he's straight vegan on that one. <laughs> he, he, in my opinion, he's just like the schoolyard bully. You know, once someone steps up to him and they're not afraid of him, it would, like with what I said earlier, it was proven multiple times, you know. You just, to use the baseball reference, you step up to the plate and he got his ass with multiple times when people finally stepped up to him. But then there's also like the, like when, cause the model passed away. I mean, that was a big transformational, yeah. like transitional moment for him where he was like a different fighter after that. And then he does time in jail. So that, that, that is not similar to what Muhammad Ali did in terms of not going to war and refusing to fight in Vietnam. But he was taken, his, la his labor was taken away from him. So when he go when Tyson goes to jail for something that he did, and then he serves time and then he comes back, I mean he's not training for a couple years at that point. So what does that do to his career too? And then you lose interest. So I, I, I see what you're saying, but at the same time I think Tyson, I mean you, you skills skills pay the bills, and he had a level of skills that if he was prepared, and if he, and and this this is always a debate, right? People are always asking like if Custom Model had trained him throughout the longevity of his career. What Tyson will we have seen in, in, in the latter part of his career? Yeah. He, he just was one, you know, the traditional tragic story of the hero. You know, we build him up, we hold him up, and then we, as soon as they start slipping, we just help him on the way down. So at his apex, he was boxing, he continues to be boxing. And on, on my end, maybe it's me being a, a softie, but I can't hold what he didn't do and all the bad stuff against him because we placed him there. And his contribution to the sport was that much higher than what he lost because of the sport also. But as much as Chavez saved my life, <laughs> Tyson almost killed me. What? Because... Were you there with Tupac? Because when uh, when uh, Buster Douglas beat his ass, I was at my friend's house for the same reasons, black box shit. And I got on my fucking bike and I wanted to tell my dad that he lost. So there I go fucking in my bike. Jamming and fucking Carmel hit me. Whoa. Like fucking hit you actually hit me. Well you should have just text your dad. 
He should have sent them a pigeon. <laughs> this is, yeah, this is way before any of that. But a shout out to uh, Mike Tyson for almost killing me. Because I couldn't believe it. And I rem- if I'm not mistaken, that was during the NBA uh, uh, All-Star game. Mm. We have to look that shit up, but I think it was right? NBA, yeah. I mm. think it was I think it was during Craig Elo shooting threes and probably winning one of the three point contests. I, I could probably I'll probably correct on that one. But who the who the fuck knows? But you know this is the the conversations about Mike Tyson's are always endless. But I do have a, another particular question: mm. Is he top ten pound for pound? No, no. Um, Nowhere close. Well, that, we got to define pound for pound. We got, and that's could the thing, you, could that's, you, that's could the you? thing that I'll, every time we hear pound for pound question, I'm like, okay, of what? Of welterweights, of of defense, of of offense, of ring generalship, uh, of marketability, of a side power. Like, what is it that we're talking about when we're talking about pound for pound? How about how about? Uh, well, I would say heavyweights. What would y'all think? Okay, pound for pound heavyweights. That's a good question. I think I would put him in top ten yeah. of heavyweights. Towards the end of the top ten? Because I mean, heavyweights. I would put Jack Johnson number one for me. Yeah. And then you got Lennox Lewis. Klitschko's. Klitschko's. Mm-hmm. He's probably like nine or ten. Tyson. A penitas. Yeah. Damn. What do you do to you, man? Holyfield, the real deal. Holyfield. Yeah. Holyfield, Holyfield you know, Doctor Dre. Yeah. Holyfield's tight. Yeah. Holyfield and he was always one of my favorite boxers to watch. And very underrated. I mean, that yeah. ESPN 30 for 30 on it, just living in the shadows of Tyson, because Tyson yeah. had that like godlike stardom to him. That, yeah. that it's unfortunate that it's it's crazy because Holyfield will say it. It's fortunate that I boxed during this era, but it's unfortunate too because I was always kind of second to Tyson. Does uh, Holyfield have cauliflower ears because of Mike Tyson? He has New Year's because of Mike Tyson. <laughs> 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 Do I hear Mike Tyson? He probably autographed it. <laughs> I mean, who like Ali goes in the top like oh, yeah. heavyweight? George Foreman. Uh, I don't know. Before grill or after like, the grill? I would rate Tyson higher than Foreman. I just did, you know, I, I just didn't like Foreman's style. I just didn't like his grill. <laughs> <laughs> hey, my dad never used it. I bought it actually from my dad. I never used that shit. Yeah, I don't know what's up with that. I mean, it saved me in college, but. Yeah, <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah. Is that what it is? <laughs> well, we know we played some hip hop songs too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So. The great part is that the last song, doing research for this episode, I never heard it. I never heard this Tupac song. Yeah, I'm sure you probably heard it. Y'all guy heard it. Yeah, yeah I'm sure you guys. Yeah, I've it. I've never heard it. The Tupac guys never think, heard I it. think this is the only the second or third time we ever played Tupac. Very true. Uh, out of 53 episodes, and even though we live in the West Coast, we are from LA, and we played the unreleased shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is crazy. It's called Road to Glory. Who did he come out with? This is Tyson. Do you happen to know if he even used it? No? I have no idea. Is this the song that he enters, like the ESPN 30 for 30 did something on it? I don't know. I haven't watched it. Mm. You know, we're going to have to put that in the liner notes for the episode because yeah. uh, no, I don't know. Yeah, we're going to put a little asterisk on this question. <laughs> but you know what? I, I, did, I did rather enjoy the song because I felt Tupac really captured the essence of what is Tyson, including the troubles and all of that. All that stuff we talked about for the last well, like 15 minutes. Right, right. It's, really, it's encapsulated really well in that, in that song. Produced by mm. Johnny J, R.I.P. Yeah. And the fact that it's Tupac, right? You know, the, it's Tupac that right. did this, you know. Tupac died coming from a Tyson fight. Right, right. The whole, the whole thing. I 
I wasn't gonna say that, but I fucking won a thousand dollars on a fucking bet. But it, man, I'm not gonna get into it. But motherfucker, you already did. I already did. I'm going there. You're into deep, man. This motherfucker thought that this bet was like he didn't understand the rules of betting, I guess. And he just like totally like wanted to get gangster shit with me, and I literally won it. And so I told him, you know what? Why don't we just go half? I don't want to die. It's fine, which wasn't funny because then later on Tupac died. But, but I didn't know that. That was before Tupac was still alive. And fucking, I would have won a thousand dollars. Yeah, so fuck this shit. This yeah. isn't one. <laughs> so we play some DMX. Y'all, you know, synonymous with that conversation with uh, Mike Tyson. What's my name? That's my name. Great song. Yeah, what, is it top? At least you like the song at least? Is no, it? yeah, I do. <laughs> that, that, that was like the song that. <clears throat> that he came out with the second part of his career. Well, actually, I get more like the third part of his career, if anything, mm-hmm. after the ear biting incident. That's the song I think he was really using a lot. What's my name? Right, so. right, right, right. No, that song is like epic, epic DMX career. We all know he's he's still around. I don't know what he's done nowadays, but uh, he's. I know he got rearrested recently. Oh, did, again? Yeah. That's like, one of his main hobbies is going to jail. Shout out to DMX. Without DMX, produced by Self Service and Irv Gotti, and then there was X. Can I can't even read my own notes? Sorry, y'all. This is from 1999. But before that, we played DMX. Uh, I think we mentioned that fe- uh, featuring Nardo. I can feel it. Uh, peace off to Phil Collins. Yeah. Peace off to Genesis. I love that shit. But the next segment, we're gonna go into uh, uh, boxing entrances. And oh, I think someone here knows a little bit about that shit. But we're gonna start out with some white stripes. White stripes. Hey, white stripes. This is a hip hop show. What happened? But you know what? If you actually break down the white stripes, their bass lines and the drums. They're actually hip hop breaks. What? If you really listen to their shit. Mm. Meg White, shout out. Shout, shout out! He played once at Bill Heights. Did you know that? Nah. At the, at the at the Mariachi Plaza. Plaza. Oh really? Word up! I'm serious. Oh, I'm about that. This was a. Uh, do I have to say some shit about this? Has it like been viewed like 90 million times? I don't think. It's white stripes. Fuck it. Let's just play. Just play. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
Say to keep following Luis, keep following Rafa, keep following Six in the Morning. Word. And now, ladies and gentlemen, time for the show.
I just want to dance. You want to put on your dancing shoes? Hey, peace out, Clyde Stubberfield. That's the drummer, y'all. That's the drummer That's right the there. Drummer. James Brown. But these are all freaking anthem songs for the entrances of these boxers. We couldn't have uh, this uh, this podcast episode without talking about that, particularly because my man here to to my right, Rudy. Like, man, talk a little bit about your research, man. Yeah, for sure. Well. Well, I'm at I'm at UCLA. I'm a PhD student at in the Chicano and Chicana Studies department, and and um, I took sports as a topic, and so specifically boxing. And over the, it's been about four years in the making now, but I mean I've been watching boxing since '92, so it's been a long-term project. But really, it's it's really narrowed down, and and the heart of my research is on the ring entrance and um, and how the ring entrance functions as a space of imagination. It's kind of a space where artists can can manifest their art. And it's also this like space of like uh, political, cultural struggle and and, um, and an opportunity for boxers to communicate to their fans through their fashion, through their music, through their entourage, um, who they are and what they stand for. And, and at times I've, I've found that it's very intentional and at times I find that it's not intentional, but there's still some kind of... Um, space that's being created in, in the musical selection and uh, the things that they wear. So I, 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 I study everything that has to do with the ring entrance and it's it's fun. Do you um, do you find everything online or do you have to ask like, like your deals, deal like, hey man, you have that fucking DVD from 1987? Like, yeah. that shit? There was no DVDs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, VHS, that's what I meant. Thank you, sir. Beta. Beta, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the beauty of um, the day and age that we live in is that a lot of shit is available on YouTube. Hello. So I go on YouTube and I and I bootleg the, the videos. I, I take them to these websites where you can create MP4 files and then that's, that's the data. I, I, I get the data that I analyze from YouTube, and then I also interview boxing fans. I interview box, boxing fans to get their perspective of what they think the ring entrance function is. Um, I've interviewed uh, radio DJs, uh, sports writers who, who are big boxing fans. So anybody that's a boxing fan, I like to ask them those questions. And then I've had the chance to sit with Robert DeGhost Guerrero. Um, I had a small conversation with Andre, uh, Son of God Ward. Um, I've talked to Fernando Vargas just momentarily about the power of his ring entrance and what went behind orchestrating that ring entrance that he did against Oscar De La Hoya in, in 2001, I believe it was, 2002 after 9-11. Um, and so all these perspectives helped me really create the narrative in terms of like my argument that the, the, the ring entrance is a site of political and cultural struggle where boxers are able to speak. Not necessarily with their words, but through music and through fashion attire and through their entourage. I mean, there's power with Fernando Vargas coming into the ring with Julio Cesar Chavez, a marker of Mexican hardcore identity. And then 
and then having a song that is sampled by Chente and sung by his friend in the ring, changing the lyrics to No Me Serraja to include Fernando Vargas in the song. And so there's like these, these ways that boxers include themselves or situate themselves or centralize themselves to be the center protagonist of a fight. And uh, what do you call it? I was going to say that I remember when we had the uh, our original conversation, that's the thing that I said, oh my God. Like I'm falling in love with a ring entrance. Yeah. <laughs> I never thought of it that way. Yeah, no, it's it's a great thought of you know, looking back at you know a boxer's background and what we were speaking about earlier, the opportunities that fighting brought them, and it, I guess I mean for I me, mean, just this is just hitting me as you as you talk about that is them taking back the ownership of who they've become and what they've created through boxing yeah. to get their message across much like the NFL players taking the knee Absolutely. Uh, and creating and taking advantage of the podium that they have now they've been afforded because right. of who they are and, 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 and the opportunities that they've been um, that they've made for themselves through the sport that they're they're at a level where they can do that and it actually means something to to the receiver yeah and that's that's really dope that you talk about NFL and Kaepernick and taking a knee because what I often tell people when, when I write about this, it's, um, you know, boxers don't have to put their, you know, black or brown power fist in the air to make this ring entrance political and and, and, uh, and a way to, like, go against the system or, or, or whatever. Um, they do it in different ways. And so my big thing is, like, the ring entrance is so creative and imaginatory that they... They they, they, they they attack the state with a one-two in very creative, unique ways that we need to read it differently. We can't say, like, you know, the way Kaepernick protests is the same way that boxers protest because it's not. Um, and so you're right. You know, that's that's um, that's the power of the ring entrance, and especially because, like, boxing is so unregulated. Like, boxers don't have the same kind of contracts that they have in the NFL, which the NFL doesn't have the best of contracts, but at least there's a contract system. NBA, MLB, healthcare, pension plans. Boxing has none of that. So, gentlemen, what's your ring entrance song? <laughs> That's a good question. Oh, wow. You're looking to the left here. <laughs> Anything with Tyson on it? No, no, no nothing no. on Mike Tyson. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd probably go with one of two songs. Ice Cube, Today Was a Good Day. Oh, that's good. Did any, has anyone used that, by the way? Mm -mm, no, not that I know. No. That's, that's as long as you fight on January twentieth night. Oh yeah, January 20th. <laughs> what was the science? Yeah, yeah. That? That someone actually broke down the science of when his good day was. That's and right. That's right. And the other one would be "Ain't No Fun" by Snoop Dogg. Because <laughs> you know, this is very good. Yeah. You want everybody to partake in your fun, including yeah. the homies. The and, homies. You know, there ain't no fun if the homies can't have none. <laughs> so right. you know, forty ounces. Well, not before you fight. Okay. I mean, probably, probably after, but you know, I mean. But, and I hate not trying to take away from you guys' time to answer the question. I wanted to say something in regards to the ring entrances. Silence is also very powerful. Uh, two fighters that come to mind is, um, I think it was his last few fights, Miguel Cotto was coming to the ring with no ring music. Um, Bernard Hopkins, when he was known as the executioner, would also not come to the ring with any ring music. And, I mean, those are two of the most known or popular fighters of all time, I would say, or close to it, depending on who you ask. So, I mean, for them to decide on silence instead of noise, you know, just depends. And to jump off of that, that's dope, because when Jack Johnson used to enter the ring, I mean, 
they might have had like bands and things like that. They didn't have speaker systems back then, but Jack Johnson would enter the ring to the sounds of the crowd. And these were racial epithets. Wow. You know, so you think about that too, the silence. But then what, when I was at the fights history, for example, and Fernando Vargas was entering with Francisco Esparza de la Cran, his fighter, he entered the ring first, and then Tenoch, um, Tenoch Nava from Westside Boxing Gym enters the ring second. But Tenoch's crowd it was like 40 deep. And yeah, for, uh, Fernando's fighter, uh, Francisco, has ring entrance music. But the arena, when you're inside the arena, the ring entrance and the sounds of the crowd, you know, from calling, you know, questioning his manhood, saying that Fernando Vargas is fake and all these different things that that ring, um, that, that, that ring entrance consisted of. I was like, wow, this is the most hostile, aggressive ring entrance that I've ever seen because like, for, I mean, I, but then I'm like, wait a minute, Fernando's been here before. Fernando knows how to be calm and collected in a situation like this. He's not going to turn around and try to pick a fight with somebody. But I was like, I don't know how he held his cool. And I don't know how his fighter held his cool too. But that's also the ring entrance right there. Like all the shit talking that happens when you're in the tunnel at entering the ring. Well, that's the nuances that you get to see when you're actually there. Right. Yeah, and, but, and to your point too, though. So it's really not about the music. But it's just the ring entrance, right? Yeah. What you do with it, how you do it, what you can accomplish with the aura. Yeah. And to your point, too, is their attire. I mean, I honestly, the funny thing is I, the attire didn't start capturing me until about a year ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, not the, not the you know, the sponsorships and all, but like the colors, what they choose to wear as, you know, whether it's the shorts or the, you know, the, what looks like skirts, like cut up skirts or I mean, I can't even like a kilt or whatever. Mm-hmm. I can't even think of the proper way to frame it, but the, just what that represents and, you know, what they have, you know, what they wear around their belt, whether it's their kid's name or a saying or, or their nickname, uh, all of that. But yeah. Um, well, that was interesting because just uh, before we even started this podcast episode, I was watching, we were watching yesterday's fight when you were at Rudy and they were showing the, the Thai fighter and like he was so national like nationalistic with his and I was just thinking to myself like fuck like how many times is that you've, we've seen that you know as a, as a regardless of boxing and you think of it in that level of what it means to be Thai and having that exposure to for others to think about about who they are as a human being and, and for the most part everyone in his entourage are, are Thailand or from Thailand so to me that was very very interesting because that's a conversation piece that's very visual that not necessarily that everyone's gonna like maybe grasp at but still I mean if you really break it down like right now they're breaking down the sound science like it's really interesting how they that, that those type of conversations could happen to well I mean and it goes beyond boxing right if we look at UFC they're trying to do the same thing but who's like who has the best entrances WWF or WWE. But to your point, that really that really supports your theory and what you're working on because they create the drama, they create the tension mm-hmm. or whatever tone they want to set. And the WWE, it is done through the entrance. But interestingly enough, um, Rafa's just stalling because he doesn't want to tell us his best. He's just <laughs> <laughs> Ah, man, it, it have to be uh, probably bring the noise, public enemy, uh, just because of the emotions it invokes and what it means to me. Uh, and then I'd probably wear like, uh, uh, you remember like in the 90s, those uh, baseball short sets? <laughs> That's what my trunks would look like. They're like one of those short sets. If, if you don't know what I'm talking about because you're too young, listen to this. Look back at the uh, 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 <laughs> at 
got the Fresh Prince uh, summertime video. He's rocking the Yankees one. So. It's tight. It's tight. Would you have the, the marks under your eyes? Too? Nah. You have your nah just, just because I used to, couldn't afford one of those short sets and I wanted one so bad. <laughs> Does not approve out here. What about you, really? Well, it's tough. That's a tough question because I remember when I was um, at the Barclays Center in, in Brooklyn and, and they started playing Biggie. Juicy and the crowd just went crazy. Oh, I imagine. You know, and that's not something that would happen in LA. Straight you know, if, if you play Dre or Tupac or Cube in an arena in LA, it'd go crazy. You know, so region and space and like, you know, coast, it matters what song you come into. So I don't know, I'm envisioning myself coming into um, the ring in Brooklyn. And uh, right now, the song that's really on my head is um, Chips by um, Talib and uh, featuring Waka Flocka. <laughs> and uh, you know we ain't going back without that shit. We ain't going back to the brook without that shit. Oh, I mean, shit. and for me, it's like I'm not coming back to the locker room without that championship. And that's that was that would be my way. I think of telling my opponent, A, I'm gonna beat you, and B, I ain't leaving this ring until I get that belt. And, and and then B too is like, this is a, a shout out of respect to the Brooklyn heads. I'm not from Brooklyn, but look. I'm gonna I'm play one of y'all. Gentrified Brooklyn or like Brooklyn? No, 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 not Brooklyn Heights. Not Brooklyn Heights. <laughs> Brownsville, peace like, out, like shopping. The, the Brook, the BQE yeah. 718. That's what's up. You know? Shout Chief. out to Joel Ortiz. It's easy. Yeah, there you go. I would have uh, definitely been uh, uh, some public enemy. So uh, welcome to the Terror Dome. Cause just because of Mike Tyson. But I wouldn't be so fly. I would, I'll still wear the black shorts, but my long cousin would be like hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I wouldn't be so. So sorry, dude. I'm sorry, Mike Tyson reference, but that would have been that would have been me. But we did play five songs as well. There were non-hip hop songs. Oh, I shouldn't say that. We had McFadden and Whitehead. We had James Brown. But that's for conversation, baby. White Stripes play Seven Nation Army from the Elephant album from 2003. So what's up with that song? That would be Triple G's Walkout song. Okay. I have a funny Triple G story. I think it was either last year or two years ago when he fought Dwayne Wade at the forum. I was at that fight, um, went with one of my really close friends, and uh, Triple G and Wade were ready in the ring. fight was about to start, and I mean, I'm a big boxing fan, so I should have known it was going to end soon. But me and my friend had quite a few drinks that day, so my bladder decided to tell me it was time for me to run to the restroom. So, um, and anybody that knows how the forums, restrooms are set up, you gotta like walk downstairs, and there was a really long line. So by the time I finished, the fight was over. So, it was a, it was a two-round fight. So I mean that tells you, but I mean, so I guess I learned my lesson. I gotta next time hold it in. Was that when Wade was with the Heat, or was that? Dominic. I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah, the, my man. Sorry. See, I, that tells you how much that guy sucks. You know, I forgot his first name. But, you know. All love, bro. All yeah, love. You know. I'll remember that for next time. No. That's an awesome story, though. That is tight. Hey, stadium buddy, bro. You strap it onto the side oh. and just pin your pants like a catheter. But, but what's funny about white stripes is like that's just an anthem everywhere. Yeah. That's like you hear it at baseball stadiums, probably other sports stadiums. It's one of those songs that just get people hyped. So yeah. I'm surprised that someone like Triple G. You know? Well, I think now more and more boxers and UFC fighters on their walk walkouts are coming out to these quote unquote anthem songs. 
unfortunately, people like Flo Rida, like him, uh, you know, White Stripes, all the they know, the, one of the songs we're going to talk about, the Chili Peppers, you know, those are kind of like walkout anthems nowadays. Right. Yeah, and you know what sucks? You know, Remember those albums, Jock Jams? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I hope, I really hope that these songs, especially White Stripes, do not end up in a whack ass album like that. Because those are some corny ass volumes that they have. This is like not one volume, it's like 10. Well, what about ACDC? I hope it's not in that one, but it's a dope song. <laughs> What's up with Thunderstruck? Well, that's, that's um, Arturo Thunder Gotti's uh, walkout music, you know, rest in peace to him, but one of the one of the gladiators of the game, one of the, the what one um, academic called it, the, the, the fight he had with Mickey Ward was a thriller vanilla. It was two white fighters fighting each other, and, and what's crazy about Gotti, I mean, he was a huge, he was from Jersey, Italian, Guido, like, people loved him out there on the East Coast. Um... But he represented this like fighter of the white working class reemerging in boxing, kind of like a great white hope of the of the late of this like more contemporary period. Just real quick, he was also Canadian. And yeah, that's right. Has ties to Canada too. All kinds of shit. All kinds of whiteness. I, I'm gonna. I should always <laughs> but, have that. But dope. Don't get it twisted. You know, he was dope. I should always have that YouTube video when he fights when I have to have a fucking deadline. Cause I'm like, fuck, I gotta get like, damn, because. When they get in it, like it's, those fights were just so amazing. Like yeah. it's incredible art. Like it really mm -hmm. is. Like it just builds and builds and builds, and it just continues on one fight to the next to the next. It's mm -hmm. just incredible. He he was known for breaking his hand in fights too. Yeah, what? and the, I guess he had such a high threshold of pain that one thing he would do in his fights is, I mean, he'd throw his other hand throughout the round, but he'd go about three four rounds just taking as much pain as he could. To let like his hand, the injured hand, numb up, and then he'd start using that injured hand over, mm -hmm. and to when he couldn't even feel it anymore. So that's when he started using it, and that's what usually led to these crazy action-packed fights that he would have. That shit is crazy. Mm -hmm. That I don't feel my numb up being buzzed right now. <laughs> that story. That shit's yeah. crazy. And and this is the power of the ring entrance because Thunderstruck and Gotti were like wedded together, and that was a spectacular ring entrance when he would come up to that music especially because he fought a lot in i think atlantic city yeah boxing in atlantic city has kind of died since but um wonder why is it president yeah it might be it might be connected to agent orange <laughs> and all that bankruptcy out there um but when he fought against floyd floyd knew i mean floyd is an artist when it comes to the ring entrance because he knew who he was going up against not just strategy wise and what who he was fighting in the ring but he knew what he was going up against entering the ring against god and so when they fought, I don't know if y'all remember, but Floyd Mayweather enters the ring as a gladiator, mm -hmm. which has ties to Italian history. So he was doing, he knew who he was going up against, and he's like, I got to do this dude one up. And so this, that's, that, that, that helps explain why, and it's not a disrespect because his uncle, the Black Mamba, used to do it too. He was yeah, known was as the Mexican assassin. I was about to ask you about that because yeah. didn't he do the same? So, yeah. So when he go, when he fights against the law, he's like, okay, what what do his people's? What are some signifying symbols that are gonna? You know, one up Oscar De La Hoya, and that's why he comes in with the sombrero and the red, white, and green, you know, colors. And it's all it's all this, this mental warfare, you know, playing with ethnic, cultural, national like backgrounds and histories to one up your opponent. Amazing. What's up with uh, uh, our Angelino folks, Red Hot Chili Pepper? Mm. That would be the entrance music to Vladimir Klitschko. Um, one of my favorite fighters, 
you know, some people say he's boring. I don't really believe that. I think he's more of a tactician. Agreed. Um, he was the one thing opposite of Floyd from Klitschko, because they were around during the same time, was that you were almost guaranteed, no matter how boring you thought his fight was, it was going to end in a knockout. Just about almost every single fight. And I remember he had one fight that it ended with one second left in the entire fight where he literally knocked the guy out. Mm -hmm. You know, so I, I, I enjoyed his fights. He knew how to work the jab. He, but, um, and he always threw the right hand after the jab pretty much. But to get to his entrance, especially when he had all his fights or a lot, majority of his fights in Europe, Germany, um, his entrances were spectacular. You know, they were like 10 minutes long. Somehow, I guess they had the extended version of this song or something. But, <laughs> it was a disco mix. And, and well, probably. And, you know, there was pyro, uh, tons and tons of fireworks. You know, it was just, you know, it was the show. And that's why I always enjoyed his entrance. Who's that politician? Which one? His brother, Vitaly. Yeah. He's the mayor of Kiev, okay. Ukraine. There you go. I knew there was something going on with it. I hope this segment is not ending soon because I think we owe it to like Camacho and Nazim Hamed because I think those two are like some of the true G's when it comes to like ring entrances. Like these guys flipped the script when it came to ring entrances. Well, no, I agree with you completely, Nazim Hamed. I mean, that made you hate him even more. I and, loved and, him more. Well, I, I loved to hate him. <laughs> I really did. You know, I mean, he had, I mean, he had some redeeming qualities as a boxer, right? Because he was so unorthodox. So all his power came from his legs. Mm -hmm. uh, he was like really loosey goosey the way that he moved around, and you know, you really, you know, even the way that he would throw was a little awkward, but there was still power behind it. Yeah. But I couldn't stand his cockiness. Mm -hmm. And then that was even it was tenfold in his entrances. Well, I always knew that if I was ever a boxer, I'd be an asshole. So I got this dude's my model right here. I'll be magic carpeting that motherfucker. <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah, and I think for Nazim, you gotta go back to back in time to make sense of his ring entrance. So when you think about Ali, I mean Nazim was heavily influenced by Muhammad Ali. Both Muslim and both very outward, spectacular, flamboyant fighters. But then before Muhammad Ali, Muhammad Ali looked to Gorgeous George. And Gorgeous George is? A professional wrestler. Exactly. So Gorgeous George was one of the first to come into ring, to, into the ring with music. But he also like... Yeah, uh, had, huh? yeah, yeah. He had elaborate, exaggerated ring entrances. And so... And he was hated. He was hated in the, in the wrestling world. And so when Muhammad Ali saw that, he's like, what can I do? I'm already hated because I'm a black man in America. What else can I do to be hated? And so that's what, like, boxing really attracts um, villains. And so what Ali created was a villain, and then uh, and then and then Nazim is influenced by that. And so then Nazim comes in, and he's like, what is going to vilify me? A lot of it at that time, too, was like his ascription to Islam. Not being, all these markers of un-American. He wasn't Christian, he wasn't white. He was flamboyant, he wore leopard, he put Islam on the back of his trunks. Yeah. You know, and he enters the ring, but he enters the ring every single time before 9-11. You know, so every time he goes into the ring, he gets the mic and he's like, all praise be Allah. And that, that shit wouldn't fly today. No, no. And Nazim was mastering that when he was fighting. And yeah. so like when you look at Nazim, you gotta put that shit into context with Ali, Muhammad Ali, and then going back to Gorgeous George and even to Jack Johnson. Yeah, and to, and to your point too, that's, that's part of taking back the power 
of the hate and the negative aspect that surrounds you, right? And then people start actually paying to see you in the hopes that you will lose and get your ass kicked. Oh, yeah. That's the only reason I would ever pay for a money made with a fight. Is because so I would want to see that motherfucker lose. That and it's a reason to congregate and invite people over your house and you know, do your ring and see who wins, you know, do your betting. But honestly, I would watch it in hopes, knowing that no one could beat them, but hoping there's just that one chance. Mm-hmm. They get past his guard and, and do some damage. Yeah. But I think, like off the topic, real quick of the entrances, um, all these fighters that have that bravado, that attitude, those like you're, we're saying Mayweather, some believe, you know, Hamed, those are the guys like you said that we want to see them get their ass with. You know, I could go Hamed, Mayweather, Mayorga, Vargas, some to a certain extent, maybe even Trinidad. You know, some people like that. I remember when it was at the end of their career, but when Mayorga fought Vargas, I remember watching it at my friend's house. I told him, man, I hope they both knock each other out at the same time, because I don't like those guys. I mean, that didn't happen, but, you know, it's just, you have that, like, I hate these people. You don't know them, but it's just, you know, Adrian Broner's another one nowadays, Mm -hmm. but it's just the way they come off, you know, like that better than you mentality when they're probably not. Yeah. That's so funny, I love all of them except Broner. <laughs> That's so true. When it comes to ring entrances, it's not just about rock. We also had some uh, some people like McFadden and Whitehead. So they ain't no stopping us now. So what's up with that? They ain't no stopping us now. It was Camacho's ring entrance song when he fought against Julio Cesar Chavez back in 92. That was the first fight I ever saw. And um, you know what's interesting about Camacho is that if you were to take his ring entrances and all his like outfits, out of the boxing ring entrance and you put him in a Chippendales stage, <laughs> you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Yeah. Like this dude was just straight entertainer. Yeah. His hair. His, his little, little Jerry, his little curl. I and mean, he used to train, when he became champ, I think lightweight champion, he was actually training out of Bell, California, out of Azteca gym. You got me on that one. You know, shout out to Arturo Mota, rest in peace, and Danny Mota from the gym, that the owners of the gym, but he trained there when he became champion. And, and that's also the gym that had one of the best ring entrance performers, which was El Maromero Paez. Jorge Maromero Paez. And Paez was one of those natural entertainers that his, like a lot of people don't know, that he was adopted by his grandmother and was automatically signed up to Cir- Circo Olivera, which was a circus that his grandma ran. So he was doing maromas, that's why they call him the maromero. And so when he starts boxing, entertaining was just so natural to him and it flawlessly, you know, transferred into the boxing arena. And not one of the, not an A-class fighter, definitely B, but he he knew how to entertain. And and when he entered the ring to Manaz Estoy Agotado and wearing a wedding dress before Dennis Rodman did it, like he was definitely trying to get people's attention and, and, and he did. I'm blown away. Yeah, I don't know what to say. Edit, edit to the sound engineer. I'm gonna do a drop a bomb on that. Boom. <laughs> some fuck mass reflection. Yeah, yeah man, uh, that's that was awesome. Yeah. Did, did he ever send that boxes? Yeah. 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 Did yeah. they call him a maromerito? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. They did. Yeah, <laughs> they do. And I'm messing around. And I'm messing around. Yeah. So what's up with uh, my personal favorite out of this uh, this list here is James Brown, the bait, the payback. That was one of the many songs that Oscar De La Hoya came out to when he fought Fernando Vargas. There was just a lot of beef between the two of them. Uh, just, I don't know how genuine it is now, but back then it really seemed like they hated each other. More so Vargas for whatever reason with De La Hoya. And uh, I remember that, that was one of my favorite fights of all time. It's especially when Oscar knocked him out. 
you know, that really made me happy, you know, seeing, uh, and then Jim Lampley, the greatest announcer of all time, one of them at least, you know, his, his uh, commentary during that fight I really enjoyed, especially at the end, where I believe he said something along the lines of that was like the most... I guess something like most gratifying victory of Oscar De La Hoya's career was something like that. Says, this could be the most gratifying victory in Oscar De La Hoya's career if he can knock his man out. Yeah. And then the referee stops it and he says, and he does! Yeah. Oh <laughs> my god. Yeah, we were very appreciative of this. This is amazing. Yeah. Like seriously, like we're gonna have to transcribe this. You know, you know all about that really. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna use this for future teaching experiences. <laughs> this is dope. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. We had another crossover, James Brown, you know, his music was so influential to hip hop and I mean without mm-hmm. without but without them it wouldn't exist. What's the documentary where actually James Brown comes out in it? The when Muhammad Ali fights, uh, and y'all know. <laughs> y'all the experts in this room. There's a there's a so documentary many. when he fights in Africa. Rumble in the jungle. Rumble in the jungle. Well, he, James Brown comes out in the documentary. Oh, okay. He actually was actually there. I mean, he also sang the ring entrance song for Apollo Creed. Yeah. In Rocky IV. Well, Come true. to America. <laughs> that's when he yeah. died. No, living in America. Yeah. Living in America. <laughs> Got it right with it. Hey, you know that song. Hey, you know about who did the remix? You know, I'm pointing at, at Rafa. By the way, leaders of new school. Oh really? Yeah. But that's another that's another topic. <laughs> Next section, though, we're going to start with Calle 13. Yeah, Fiestas de Locos, uh, Los de Atrás, Vienen Conmigo, from 2008. Let's just play and we'll talk about it. All right. Tengo gusanos color verde Mordiéndome las venas del cerebro Por eso soy rebelde Como un anciano Corriendo bicicleta en calzoncillo Con viagra en los bolsillos Soy rebelde como un monaguillo En la iglesia fumando cigarrillos Sin que las monjas se lo sospechen Soy rebelde como una vaca Que no quiere dar leche Todas las viejitas con pelos en las piernas Con espíritu libre y de mente moderna Dejen de romperse la cabeza Y brinquen en la mesa Encima de las papas francesas Vodka, ron y cerveza en el aire Brindando de México hasta Buenos Aires Con toda la mafia, el corillo, la banda Con 10 brasileras bailándome samba Estoy gozando un mogollón, un montón Botellón de ron tras botellón <coughs> En definición, un paraíso Gente vomitando en el piso Esto es una fiesta de locos Esto es una fiesta de locos Esto es una fiesta de locos Pero yo soy el único que no estoy loco Yo soy el único que no estoy loco Sé que mi letra es obscena Pero con ella es que pago la quincena Mujeres feministas, vamos a hablar sin tapujo Tú pones la colcha y yo te la estrujo Mi amor, tú te vas a enamorar de este inmoral Aunque seas inteligente o anormal Da igual, según Sigmund Freud La sexualidad rodea todo lo que soy Lo sexual es natural, yo temet El mono con la mona Como Animal Planet Espermatozoides como varios Como Discovery Channel Abran su mentalidad de Disney Channel Y maduren bailando hasta que se fracturen Lengua con lengua sin que te censuren los literatos defensores del idioma anticuados que no bailan quietos como momias del club de los Smithsonian si yo les caigo mal pues besenme el nie el nie n i e perdonen si mi letra es sucia pero es que mi mente es flexible como gimnasta de Rusia yo no entiendo esta canción pero la bailo como quiera esto es una fiesta de locos Fiesta de locos. Hey, hey, hey. Esto es una fiesta de locos. Hey, hey, hey. 
pruebas No me atraso ahora, mi bandera no te atreva Porque te siento de reas Yo soy pecónica y no mira falla el corazón Y no permito que a mi tierra venga ningún plato ahorrado Tu barra no salga no bajo mi bandera Por mucho más famoso, por más rico que sea el sentimiento Me incita a escribir esas letras Las que te voy a decir Como dice el corillo Tú no te me equivoques, mi bandera es la primera Cuando gritamos nuestro grito de guerra Somos los primeros en sacar nuestra bandera Y ahora yo quiero que mi isla completa Grita en el coro, los boricos se respetan, no te atrevas
Unidos porque son los hechos reales de nuestro pueblo. Sí, a mí también me gustan porque en ellos se canta la pura verdad. Pues ponlos pues, órale, ahí va.
shout out to Ramon because my dad used to kick it with him <laughs> and Cornelio Reina back in the day, Los Relampagos. But we're going to start with Calle 13. <laughs> How about that shit? Fiestas de Locos. What's up with that? Yes, de Locos. That's, um, I can't remember who was that. Um, and that was for Sergio Martinez. Yes. Yeah, Sergio Martinez. So, um, it was. It, it, I always found it interesting because he came out a couple times to different Gaitres' songs, and um, and then when he finally fought Cotto, he definitely didn't come out to a Gaitres' song just because because I mean Cotto has a song written um, for him by Gaitres', uh, so it's it's always interesting to see when actual like songs are written for the boxers and for their ring entrances. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 Well, I would I would say also that I never make those connections whatsoever with boxing which is very interesting just just knowing the fact who you know the group is and what they do like it makes a lot of sense yeah and, and I, I, I could I'm not I don't think I'm mistaken but there's I'm not sure if it was for this song but um, Residente has walked um, either Cotto or Sergio into the ring as oh, well yes, and he so has. they, they Sergio. Latino America I think was the one that he entered the ring too with uh, I mean, it just goes back to the earlier conversation we were talking about, right? The, you know, the pathways that took both the artist and the boxer to where they are now, whether it's in New York, LA, you know, Central America, Europe, you know, the, the, the intersection between the two are just clearly evident. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What's up with the flaco? Yo, Flaco. Oh, Flaco, I, I don't know. He's definitely not mainstream, but a lot of people don't really know about him. And the only reason I know about him is because in 2001, when um, Tito Trinidad was fighting against um, Bernardo Hopkins, um, so the backstory behind the ring entrance and, this, and the fight itself was um, they were promoting their fight in, in Puerto Rico, and Bernard Hopkins in his head was like, I gotta do something that's gonna make me public enemy number one. And so he snatches the Puerto Rican flag from either Tito or Don King's hand and throws it on the floor in Puerto Rico. And so then El Flaco, what I, what I, how I connect the dots is that Flaco writes this song called Mi Bandera, it's a reggaeton song that talks about not disrespecting the Puerto Rican flag and so that's the song that, that Tito Trinidad enters the ring to but you gotta remember this is 9-11, the month 9-11 happened and so the fight had gone postponed because of the attacks wow. and it's in Madison Square Garden and Tito comes into the ring wearing, I believe, either a fireman or a police officer's cap, and his father's wearing the other hat nice to boy. represent, you know, 9/11 and, and build that sentiment that was happening at that time, which it was like, you know, you had to be very patriotic, otherwise you were committing treason and you were anti-American. So Tito's like, okay, that's the that's the vibe now. So I'll do this. That's that's cool. But his song reps everything that has to do with Puerto Rico, you know, the U.S. You know, Commonwealth territory puts it on the map and is a direct, like, you know, verbal assault to to Bernard and to the U.S. Really, like, don't disrespect my flag, don't disrespect our nation, the nation that we've created for ourselves in Puerto Rico, even though we're still under U.S. control. But I have beef about with Felix. I have personal beef. To give her an over coming home from a Felix. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, you should start texting people, man. <laughs> um, I was at the Felix Trinidad, Roy Jones, uh, one of the press conferences. Mm. It was in Sacramento. You know, he was just... Don King was dope because he had, like, one of those nice, like, Def Jam wreck, neck, what do you call it, leather jackets, all kinds of flags and shit. It was kind of whack, whatever. But Felix said, hey, man, I'm getting autographs, but I'll come back out right now. You know, I'll come back out right now. No worries. He never came back. 
shit. He never, I never saw him so hey, for the, whatever. But you know what, to your point, you don't get more New York than Puerto Rican, though, man. No. That's you, true. And yeah. you know what? Tito was one of my favorite fighters ever. I used to love that he would get his ass kicked, get up. His dad would slap the shit out of him and he'd come back and win. Because you were thinking about your son, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, yeah, I wish I could kick his ass sometimes, to be honest with you. <laughs> nah, yeah. Yeah. he's a good kid. And, and, and the, the beauty of that ring entrance, I don't know if, you, you, if, if people that are listening and haven't seen it, just go on YouTube and just type in Tito Trinidad versus Bernard Hopkins and it should come out, the full fight. Just watch the ring entrance and you just see in the stands of the Madison Square Garden, the Puerto Rico flags begin to like be waved in the air. People are dancing. And then even Tito Trinidad gets... He stops his ring entrance and, and waits for the for the hook in the song to start dancing himself. And so he's entertaining, he's dancing, he's collectively with the people. He gets in the ring and doesn't go inside the ring yet. He's like looking at his fans and just acknowledging them. And he takes his time and his, his people are tapping him on the shoulder. And he, I, I believe, thinks is like, okay, they're telling me to get in the ring, but no, I'm, I'm going to take my time to acknowledge my fans. But it really, it's his corner time of like, look in that direction because they have a sign for you. And he finally acknowledges the sign puts his fist up and then he enters the ring. It's such a beautiful Daniel, such a This beautiful is a moment. 30 for 30 episode yeah. here, man. We, it's we good, it's that long. Yeah. <laughs> 60 for 60. 60 for 60. <laughs> so, hey, so everybody, everyone's dad, Gente. What's yeah. up with Gente? Well, for, for me, it's it's a, the connection back to Cesar Chavez, to Gente. I mean, my dad was probably, like, almost, I'm sure all of our dads were one of the biggest Gentes fans ever my dad literally the uh, vinyl he had every single record you could imagine including the compilation and those 15 exitos the 18 exitos all of that uh, he was just a humongous uh, Chenta fan so for me that just kind of full either the full circle of what that relationship was and what boxing and, and, and mariachi really means to me you know Mexican music in that sense where's the vinyl Dude, don't even... No, soft, soft. Okay, sorry. We'll never be spoken about. Yeah, yeah, don't bring shit up again, dude. I thought we were homies. Just a quick Chenta story. I can say that I'm pretty proud to say that I went to his last concert. Not in Mexico, but the last concert he ever performed here in the U.S., Mm. which was... I don't remember how many years ago, but it was at the former Universal Amphitheater. Which now, unfortunately, is like Harry Potter it's world Harry or Potter something Potter like that. So, but yeah, I mean, I can say that I went to his last concert. Um, but yeah, in regards to boxing, he's you know associated with um, Chavez, De La Hoya, so many other Mexican boxers that come out to his music. Oh, um, now Canelo comes out to Mexico lindo y querido. So you know, he's just. Well, yeah, I mean, he's so iconic in just the, the you know, what is uh, Mexican culture. I mean, that every boxer wants to live up to that iconography, you know, and, and, and be chanted, you know, so. What about the pride of San Jose? Tigres del Norte. The Tigers Yo. of the North. Yo. Um, ironically, in regards to the first group that we discussed in this um, segment. Fucking Boston George, kick it, homie. <laughs> the Tigres del Norte actually have a duet with Calle Trece on um, right. their Unplugged album. Mm-hmm. But uh, this song that we have on here, Jefe de Jefes, is uh, uh, the baby bull Juan Diaz comes out to that song, amongst many other boxers that probably use that song. It To me, it's just a song about pride in general. You know, how the hard work that Mexican people put in and just like the nationalistic pride and you know 
I mean, to me, <coughs> Los Tigres goes back to my dad again. I mean, for, yeah. It sounds like I have daddy issues, right? Shout out to my pops. And as a, as, a, as a liner note, actually, the last thing I did with my dad before he passed away, one-on-one, was Cicente Hepico Rivera. Wow. But Los Tigres is the same shit. You know, Jala de Oro. Fucking, I think any, almost all of us probably had that song dedicated to us at one point or the other. But, uh, yeah, I mean. March 3rd. The Forum. That's right. Yep. I just saw him at Tropicalia and it was powerful. I got a picture with the, the lead singer and we're going for sure. Are you going to get a, a, a white stripe on your head too? I probably already have some. <laughs> it's great. It's a great, it's a great, it's great. sorry. I want to make sure I don't want to offend. The skunk stripe. Yeah, I don't want to offend anyone. They call me salt and pepper, man. Yeah. Got a lot of grays. They're great in concert, by the way. That's what happens when you're in a PhD program. No, but the ring entrance I like that, um, Robert Guerrero came out too okay. with Hefes uh, Hefes when he fought against Floyd Mayweather in 2013. The Pride of Garlic. The Gilroy? Pride of Garlic, Gilroy, California. Gilroy, California. Yeah, and then you're right. Like it's it's a song about like working class, working hard, and um, you know for for Robert, his family is um, agriculture in Texas and in Gilroy, in, in Garlic capital of California, and maybe the, the U.S. Um, and so close to San Jose, it makes like geographical sense for him to come out to that song to speak to the people, which was what he told me. And his dad's an OG too. So. Veterano. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Wearing a Pendleton. Shout out to your, your dad, the Veterano yeah. too. My dad's OG too. Happy birthday. Shout out to Ruben. They call him Crazy Ruben. I'll just call him Ruben Guerrero. <laughs> maybe that's, uh, that's Danny's fa- father. Crazy Angel? No, uh, that Crazy Ruben. Angel. Garcia. They're both out there. Yeah. Like Lamar, the ball, the father. My dad's pretty crazy too. Ramon. <laughs> As the next song is Ramon Ayala. There you go. So what's up with that? Uh, that song and Ramon Ayala in general just takes me back to my childhood. Um, ironically, my dad's not a fan of him, but my mom is, my grandparents. I have a ton of his music. I've seen him in concert multiple times. Uh, the fact that he was able to write this song dedicated it to the most famous Mexican boxer of all time just shows you the influence he has on sports in general I guess well boxing and how important that Julio Cesar Chavez the father definitely not the son (laughs) is to uh, boxing and to Mexicans Latinos however you want to put it you know in general this is a very enjoyable segment, y'all. It's been a very enjoyable episode here in our podcast, 6 in the morning. Well, we have reached our climax here. We're already at the end, section 5. We're going to play a few songs, and these are going to be very particular to uh, back going back to hip-hop. Because <laughs> uh, the last couple of segments, uh, uh, you know, we diverted to uh, having larger conversations about boxing and whatnot in the entrances. We're gonna start with some public enemy. Yeah, public enemy. So this was this is like the song that I were, I was just mentioning would have been my my ring song, which is "Welcome to the Terror Dome," produced mm. by, of course, the Bomb Squad, Fear of Black Planet." Came out in nineteen ninety. Any thoughts? Powerful, no powerful <laughs> song. I mean, I had the opportunity to talk with Chuck one time, and I quickly asked him. I just said, "What did you? What What does it mean to you as?" As the, as the MC of Public Enemy for Tyson entered to Welcome to the Terror Dome, and he said, well, I'll tell you this, he never lost when he entered to Welcome to the Terror Dome. <laughs> That's <laughs> word, uh, That is word. <laughs> We're going to go into some Sean P. Always some Sean P. This is featuring Ruck and Rusty Jux. This is a slap boxing. This is Sean P being Sean P. Uh, produced by Edward Maximilian III. <laughs> Monkey Bars is the album from 2005. This is his first solo album. Yeah, right? it's the first solo album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sean P, rest in peace. Wu Tang, 
Yeah, we, we could have picked a bunch of Wu Tang oh, songs. We could just play the whole mm-hmm. bunch of. Uh... <laughs> yeah, we could have just gone anywhere, but we went to uh, the Mystery of Chess Boxing, which is a classic 36 Chambers uh, album produced by the Risen. Old Dirty Bastard, did you know that? Oh, he wow. actually has production. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He oh, co produced wow. this. I had to learn yeah, with his cousin Risen. So, yeah, this is obviously after the Wu Tang 36 Chambers from 93. We're going to end it with a dope uh, song that plays off of, uh, what is that, Nintendo's. Uh, Mike Tyson, Tyson Punch-Out, punch punch out. Out. <laughs> Static Selector featuring Big Shug from uh, obviously uh, uh, Guru and uh, uh, what do you call it, a Gangstar Foundation. Uh, Spell My Name Right, the album from 2007. But I mean, this is just overall, man, thanks guys. Like, this has just been a fun episode. This is not going to be just one take. We're going to definitely, hopefully, given the time, do this a couple of more times. That'd be great. Yeah. Uh, again, you and I sharing your online media presence. Yeah, uh, you can follow me at Boxing Intellect on Instagram and Twitter, and uh, I write from time to time on uh, on our collective blog. I'm the co-editor of uh, BloodMoneyBoxing.com. We haven't produced a lot of content, but like lately, but yeah, you can do that. And then I write for Tremescla and uh, from time to time, me too as well. And I hope you produce some of the photography, man. You take you show me some amazing pictures. Yeah, that's uh, I'm working on that too. The photography, just trying to. Uh, what I try to do is take photos of boxers that out of their boxing element, and um, or just during like moments, intimate moments. Uh, I just like capturing those moments when, you know, it's the things that are oftentimes not reported on enough. Beautiful. You want to share anything? No, I'm good. You're good. <laughs> you, you guys can remember me for everything I provided. Hey man, but, today. but uh, thank you so much for being here, man. It's been beautiful. Like we all come together to have this great conversation. I'm gonna have to apologize to Rafa, but I don't remember shit in terms of our plugs, man. You remind next one I got you. I got you next one. Well, you already broke your New Year's resolution. I, did. I like, much did. On, I did. I did. I uh, did. You know, you can follow us at the on the website six in the morning.com, on Facebook at six uh, face in, Facebook.com six in, uh, backslash six in the morning. You can hit us up on the Instagram at six in the morning show at six in the morning show. You could also hit us up on Twitter at six in the morning s i x i n t h e m o r n. We're on Stitcher, iTunes. Uh, Google Play, and you can shoot us any music, any feedback, anything that you like at six in the morning show at gmail.com. And uh, that's, think, about it. We're, that's about it. We're appreciative of the listenership. This is episode 53, the sweet sounding science episode. We'll be hitting you off soon again. Peace. Peace.
getting jerk changes some ways. The way back in the better days, raw metaphysically bold, never follow the code. Still drop the load, never question what I am, God knows. Cause it's coming from the heart. What I got, better get some get on up, hustler of culture. Snake bitten, bit spit in the face. But the rhymes keep fitting, respect's been given, how's your living? Now I can't protect, I paid off defect. Check the record and record, inattentional wreck. Played off as some intellect, made the call, took the fall, broke the laws. Not my fault that they fall off. Known to stay a square throughout my years. So I growl at the living dial, black to the bone, my home is your home. But welcome to the Teladome.
Minnesota. Big Rock, what up? You good? Yeah. Listen. Yo. Hey, yo, my son got the gun, I say shoot, that's where the gat is sprayed Make you tagging niggas go that away. Run, no fair fight, you jumping Big knives, guns, bats, and sticks Fuck all that rap and shit Give a fuck about your ball with your verse Put the car in the hearse Best bet is throw your car in reverse You can act up if you want Clap up in your front Pull this jet from your back Get left on your lap Y'all niggas do the one when I rhyme Matter of fact, use the gun when I rhyme Yo I throw shots from the back of the rover Chicken wing ball backling dad track on the sofa Niggas acting like they don't know Sean Till I run the bone and smack him up with the four four long Focus the fire, throw shots, hope you die Smoking the lie after the toast of retired Motherfucker Yo, fucking with chips, you already know what crime it is Hard body beat breaking, that's what kind of rhyme it is Kingston Ave, you already know who grind it is Black Beretta special ops, that's what kind of nine it is Body to wax First I grab it by the neck Then I throw the sword shotty to back Cold blooded, black hearted Swing the Mac retarded My weed clientele excel my crack market Sure sex strangler, monster track mangler Wild cowboy, two hostess on my wranglers Barbarian, I'm a savage street viking Bullet seek striking, fast streets lightning Spit volcano, rain hell fire Cause misery sell millions and pain sell higher Fiend for the phone, my phone is indestructible Niggas like words, son, them niggas can't fuck Hey yo, I shake the crown when I walk I mean I shake the town when I walk The pound I lay you down for your thoughts Lay you on the crown with your thoughts Had your thoughts all over the crown in the park Make a sound when I talk It is the greatest underrated MC Niggas hate but don't say it to me They get chased in the street The movies we make in the peace Ready to Jason to be like Damn, get these niggas away from me please Please, bad news, gun click, you die yo You want good news, switch to Geico A nigga fight me, hitting his eye closed And the shine stole, not too hard Yo shit rhinestone, think I don't know, huh? The Cuban Chaconia, this Conia, the cream corner, your team corner, your whole fleet for me. Born with a heat seeking fist out, locked on to your jaw tees. But talking that hot shit you was talking, see? The boy's something like a phenomenon. That's why some shit's like the fill on my schlong. It's like the lifestyles of the rich and the famous bitches. It used to hum and stuff, they wanna give us the anus and bring us down now. Wow, wow, how, how, fuck it, let them shout out on Big Wiss how. Crowd, wow, wow, have them come to the beat and get bounced out. Roundhouse, any bitch will get caught in a brown round. Proclamation with MCs, a poach with slang is dead. Then why's I run into the wall and bang your head? I push a force, I force you doubting. I'm making devils cower to the caucus mountain. Well, I'm a sire, I set the microphone on fire. Rap styles vary and carry like Mariah. I come from the Shaolin slum, and the ally I'm from is coming through with enough niggas, enough guns. So if you wanna come sweating, stressing, contesting, you got your soft swords at the midsection. Don't talk the talk. If 
if you can't walk the walk, bony niggas are outlined and chalk. A mad vex is what the projects made me. Rebel to the grain, there's no way to barricade me. Steamroller niggas like an 18 wheeler, what the drunk driver driving? There's no surviving. Rough like Timberland, where? Yeah, me and the clan and yo, the land cruisers out there. Peace to all the crooks, all the niggas with bad looks. Ball head braids, blows his hook. We pack home text, nigga play the max. Black axe, drug dealing styles with fat stacks. Only been a good nigga for a minute though, cause I got to get my props and win it. Yo, I got beef with commercial ass niggas with gold teeth. Living in a Lexus seat and beef, straight up and down, don't even bother. I got 40 niggas up in here now who killed niggas for me. My people's all you with me where you at? In the front, in the back, killer bees on the track. My people's all you with me where you at? Smoking meth, hitting caps on the block with the gap. Here I go, deep tight flow. Jack you stole, can never get this. No, I'm Terry Bomb and shit. Boom, that's warming up a little bit. Rapping in is what's happening. Keep the pockets stacking in, hands clapping in. At the party when I move my body. Gotta get up and be somebody. Grab the microphone, put strength to the bone. Dan, 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 until the Wu-Tang zone. So enough when I rock that stuff. Up, up, I'm gonna catch your fuck up. Rough, kicking rhymes like Jim Kelly or Alex Kelly. I'm a m- Beetle Belly Rhymes. Coming raw style, hardcore. Niggas be coming to the hip hop store. Coming to buy grocery from me. Turn to be a hip hop MC. The law, in order to enter the Wu Tang, you must bring the whole dirty bastard type slang. Represent the Jizza, Abbott, Ruza, Shot Corn. Inspect the deck, dirty hole getting low with his flow. Introduced in the ghost face, My people's all you with me where you at? Smoking meth, hitting cats on the block with the gap. Speaking of the devil's sight, know it's the guard, get your shit right. Mega trifle, yo, I killed you in a past life. On the mic while you was kicking that fast shit. You and Nick tried to get it, got blasted. Half-mastered ass style, mad rough chest. When I struck, I had on Tim's in the black mask. Remember that shit? I know you don't remember Jack. That night, yo, I was sitting like a spike bat. And then you thought I was bugged out and crazy. Strapped for nonsense after me became lazy, yo. Nobody budged while I shot slugs. Never shot dubs, I'm running with dubs that flood mugs. So grab your A plus one, start flipping and tripping. Niggas is jetting, I'm licking off, son. And death is a penalty One justifies the homicide When he dies in his own iniquity It's the master of the mantis rapture coming at ya We have an APB on an MC killer Looks like the work of a master Evidence indicates that a stature Merciless like a terrorist Hard to capture the flow Changes like a chameleon Blends like a friend and stabs you like a dagger This technique attacks the immune system Disguised like a lie paralyzing the victim You scream as it enters your bloodstream Erupts your brain full of pain these thoughts contain moving on a nigga with the speed of a centipede and injure any motherfucking contender. My people's all you with me where you at? In the front, in the back, killer bees on attack. My people's all you with me where you at? Smoking meth, hitting cats on the block with the gas. Punched up, you get punched up, punched out, you know what I'm saying? That's what it is. 
I don't take the name of gangsters, I've been warned. I done pushed weight from Boston to San Juan. Dealt with illegal bitches and firearms. When they flipped out in prison, I restore calm. Black gators on the feet, that's on the high. Fur coat, bless the back, now that's on the fly. Still ill, big and black like my sedan DeVille. Post with the dollar bills, intend to kill. Tell us why you fly, drop it like it's hot. Big shook, pugilist, head and body shots. Run your mouth a lot, you'll be taken out. Slapped in the face, kicked in the ass and punched out. Hit the head, lay down, got the ten, stay down. What you see when you fucking with me You high maintenance cats It's just chickens to me Fortunately, you hide in gated communities So there's a slim chance that you ever see in me Underground where the true cats pound the 